0: Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Last Lord's Day evening, we considered the wise virgins of this parable, those that were ready to go in with the bridegroom to the marriage feast of the Lamb of God. We saw that they were a prepared people, They had had been made ready for the delights of heaven and the joy of union with Jesus Christ by the heavenly bridegroom himself. We noted that they who enter into this marriage have been made partakers of the divine nature by the miracle of the new birth. We found that their sins have been forgiven. They have been washed in the precious blood of the Son of God. We noted that they have been justified by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. They have been reconciled to God and they have been clothed with the beautiful wedding garment of the white righteousness of Jesus Christ. We saw that when the bridegroom comes at the midnight hour, the believer's entrance into the heavenly marriage is to be immediate. There is to be no intermediate state between that time when the bridegroom calleth us, whether it be uh, through the door of death or through it be whether it be through the blessed hope of the coming of Jesus Christ, when those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. There is no intermediate state. The entrance into this marriage is immediate. We found that that entrance is intimate. It is with him. And oh, those blessed words, with him, with him. The entrance into the marriage feast is joyous, and it is also eternal in its duration. Now, this evening, let us consider together the foolish virgins, those who were not ready when the bridegroom came and when that fearful call came, go ye out to meet him, the foolish virgins who were not ready and their fearful fate. We could call this message, if we wanted to give it a title perhaps, The Fate of the Unprepared. For we read in verse 10 of our parable, And while they went, that is, the foolish virgins, went to buy... The bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Now, first of all, tonight, then, who were those who were shut out from the marriage? Who were these foolish virgins? Well, I would call your attention to the fact in the first place that these virgins wore the name of the people of God, we might say. They wore the same name as the wise who entered into the marriage. They were called virgins. They had the same designation placed upon them by our Lord as those who went in to the marriage feast. And so I take it from that that these virgins represent in this parable for us the nominal Christian, That is the man or the woman or the boy or the girl who is a Christian in name only. They are members of the church of Jesus Christ. They have taken themselves to the name of Christ. They have identified themselves with the people of God. But all of their religion, all of their profession is in name only. They bore the same name as those who entered in. They were not rank outsiders. They were not the mere tramps of the street, the scoffers, the agnostics, and the atheists. And if we put it in modern terminology, we would say most bluntly, beloved, these are not the modernists. These are not the members of the church that are apostate and rejecting the gospel of Christ and the revelation of God. No, they are in no wise denoted in any terms degrading as that. They had the same name as those who entered in. And yet, to them, the door was shut. The door was shut. These virgins, also like the wise virgins who entered into the marriage feast, had lamps. The same kind of lamps the wise virgins had. They carried with them their own lamps. And for a while, their lamps burned as brightly, as clearly as the lamps of the wise virgins. For a while there was no difference whatever in the brightness of their lamps and in the uh, lamps of the wise, and yet we read they were shut out. The door was shut. The lamps, as I think I mentioned last Lord's Day evening, to me, seem to represent the externals of religion. That is, the membership in the church, the partaking of the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, Uh, baptism the reading of the Bible even because you see a lamp is that which conveys light and we read in many places in the word of God such scriptures as we find in in, uh, Psalm 119 thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and so the lamp is that which conveys the light in this sense in this religious sense we could say that the lamp denotes the word of God. The lamp denotes the revelation of God. And in this respect, these foolish virgins were just like the wise virgins. They carried their Bibles, if you please. And yet to them, the door was shut. They were shut out. These folks had the name, the same as the virgins, and they observed all the externals, Of the Christian faith, the same as God's people, who no doubt were quite surprised. These wise virgins, I'm sure, never suspected concerning those foolish virgins that they did not have the true oil of the grace of God and were to be shut out at last. But yet they were shut out. But notice also that our Lord denotes them as foolish virgins. In the Greek of this passage, the word... Translated foolish is a word from which we get our English word moron. Moron. Think of it. Five of these virgins were wise. But our Lord Jesus Christ says that five of these virgins were morons. The foolish morons, beloved. They were dull and of undeveloped intelligence as far as spiritual things are concerned. And we might ask ourselves the question, well, why? Why were they so different when they had all the same advantages of the, foolish bride, uh, of the foolish virgins? Why were they moronic? Why were they foolish? And I think I also indicated last week that I think we have a clue to, this, uh, to the answer to this question in, in verse uh, 3. They that were foolish took their own lambs. In the Greek, it's so clear there's a word there that is used that they took their own lamps, the lamps that were peculiar to themselves, of themselves, of their own nature, in contrast to something which is received from someone else, from an outside source. In other words, beloved, their religious profession was of their own making. Although outwardly, as far as the people know, It was similar, it was the same for all intensive purposes as those who finally were prepared and entered into the marriage. But these who were foolish, who were moronic, when it came to the things of eternity and the things of salvation and the things of our relationship to Jesus Christ, made up their own rules, you see, in their heart of hearts. In their heart of hearts, they had their own ideas concerning salvation. Outwardly, Everything was alike in appearance, just like the true. But in the essence of the thing, in the secret of their hearts, they had their own lamps. In other words, beloved, they were still in their sins. They were still bound in their self-will. They simply, although they professed faith in Jesus Christ, they refused to submit themselves to the rulership of our Lord. They refuse to come in repentance of sin and lay down the weapons of their warfare and rebellion against Christ. Now, listen, beloved, I don't know your heart, you don't know my heart, and we can't know anyone else's heart. And all we can do is hear their confession of faith. Their confession of faith in Christ, but we do not know what is in one another's heart. But God knows. And the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ is so clear, beloved that we take Jesus Christ as Lord as well as Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But obviously these foolish virgins, although they had all the externals, they had the name of Christian. They came to church. They did all the things just as anyone else. And yet they were in their own self-authority rebelling against the rulership, against the lordship of Jesus Christ. And let me say, beloved, to you tonight that you cannot take Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin and not take him as your Lord. He must be the Lord of your life if he is to be the Savior of your soul. You cannot separate the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his Saviorhood. And oh, how many there are, I fear today, who, yes, they want a fire escape from hell. They don't like the idea of going to hell. And they've heard the gospel. They've had the presentation of Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross to redeem us from sin, to redeem us from hell. But, beloved, over and over again in the New Testament, we are also told that Jesus Christ died to redeem us from iniquity. And you cannot continue to live in your sins, beloved, and be saved and be a new creature in Christ. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things are passed away. But these virgins took their own lamps, the lamp of their own imagination, their own design, their own rationale. Oh, they may have thought that If they had the oil in the lamp as the others, and they had lamps that were similar to those that were carried by the others, that it would be sufficient. But, beloved, the word of God in this passage tells us that they had no oil in their oil flasks. And perhaps they judged that because the secret store of oil being unseen was unnecessary. They were willing to carry a lamp, all right, and they had a certain measure of oil in that lamp. And they carried that lamp in one hand, but to devote the other hand to the care of a flask, an oil flask, they were unwilling to do. In other words, beloved, I take this as being that these folks were what we call today as half-hearted Christians. And you know who I'm talking about, don't you? You know the kind of Christian I'm talking about. Half-hearted, indifferent, apathetic to the things of Jesus Christ. Their heart and their soul and their life speak in bold letters that they're not sold out to Jesus Christ. And so everything is entered into half-heartedly. Some people will go along with all of the external duties of Christianity even, but they are unwilling to yield themselves to Jesus Christ, to truly repent of their sins, and in wholehearted trust simply surrender their entire being to the Lord Jesus. And they thus exclude themselves from the grace of God. It is this lack of the oil of holy grace that is the fatal flaw in many a professor's lamp. Many are like some of the ch- church members of whom Jesus Christ spoke in the third and, uh, chapter of Revelation, the uh, church at Sardis. You remember he said you have a name to live, but what? You're dead. Think of it. Beloved, we're handling the word of God tonight. We're handling the words of Jesus Christ tonight. And I'm not coming to you with my own opinion. I'm not coming to you with mine own ideas. It is Jesus Christ who said, You have a name to live, but you are dead. Foolish virgins. Oh, foolish virgins. Take the name of Christ. Join a good Bible-believing, gospel-preaching. Solid, fundamental, Bible, Presbyterian church, and yet in your heart of hearts, resisting the grace of God. Foolish virgins, you have a name to live, but you're dead, Jesus Christ says. They do not have the life of God in their souls, so they are yet dead in their trespasses and in sin. They make a profession of faith in Christ, but they don't have the inward supply of the spirit of grace to keep it up, you see. There is a glitter, but no permanent light, and there cannot be any. For although they have the lamps, although they have all the externals of the Christian faith, yet they have no oil with them, Jesus said. The supernatural operation of the Spirit of God is missing. And unless the Spirit of God be in us indeed and of a truth, beloved, we may for a while make a fair show in the flesh. Oh, we may go ahead and we may fool everyone. But I want to tell you, it's only for a while, dear friend. The end will come and the end will be the blackness of darkness forever. For the foolish virgins have the door shut in their face. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd ask that you turn over to the epistle of the Romans, a very familiar portion of the word of God, the eighth chapter. And oh, how we delight in this eighth chapter of the book of Romans and how I'm sure most of us here in the assembly tonight could quote the first four verses I know that 90% of you know and delight and rejoice in the 28th verse, the last few verses of that chapter. This, beloved, it seems, is the epitome of the revelation of the grace of God, the 8th chapter of Romans. And we are familiar with the first verses, and we are so familiar with the middle part of the verses, beginning there with verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of adoption uh, A bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh, these blessed truths, we could go through the eighth of Romans tonight and our hearts would delight and rejoice. But listen, are we very familiar with that passage tucked down in there, beginning, oh, let us say, with the sixth verse? Well, the fifth verse. Do you know that passage by heart, beloved? Hear the word of God as we read it tonight. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, that is fleshly minded, worldly minded, taken up with the things of time, of this life, of this world, that being the predominant spirit of one's life, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Hear it. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the worldly mind, the word of God tells us tonight, beloved, is enmity with God. For it is not subject, hear it, to the law of God. Oh, how many Christians I hear today tell me that they're not under law, they're under grace. And there's a sense in which that is true. But then they take that statement, that blessed statement of the word of God, and rip it out of context, pay no attention to the verse which follows and the chapters which follow, and say, therefore, we can live as we please, you see. No, they are not under the law of God, neither can they be. So then, they that are in the flesh, oh, hear it, foolish virgin tonight, cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness, oh, beloved, does the spiritual life of the Trinity dwell in you and bubble up in you, as our Lord said? It will be in you a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Are you alive in Christ tonight, beloved? Are you living for the glory of God and rejoicing in your salvation and in your Savior, or are you dead? If Christ be in you, the body is dead to sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Where is that mortification of the members of the flesh among those who call themselves Christians today? I like the marginal rendering of that verse. But if ye, through the Spirit, make to die the doings of the body, ye shall live. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There is no oil in his lamp, beloved. There's no oil in his flask. And so we have these foolish virgins who had not only had the name, the same name as, as the others and carried the same means of light as those who went in with the bridegroom. But I'd also have you notice they acted in much the same way. There's no difference in these two classes of virgins. The foolish acted the same as the, as the wise. <laughs> they, you see, they went forth to meet the bridegroom. They went down the same road. They didn't go a different way. There's no indication that they tried to come around a shortcut. No, they went the same road, you see, as the wise virgins. They went at the same rate of speed, if you please. And everything the wise virgins did in this passage, the foolish virgins did also. They went to sleep just like the others, and they they awoke when the cry came, and they began to trim their lamps. There was no apparent difference in these, beloved. And I'd have you notice something else, and we've alluded to it, and perhaps we will 10 or 15 times more tonight that you get the point. These were not the modernists. These people, these foolish virgins... We're not the scoffers. What were they doing in all of this parable? What was the figure that our Lord takes to bring to us this truth? They went out to wait for the bridegroom. They believed the bridegroom was coming. Now, when this whole thing began, I take it probably to be somewhere in the early, uh, late afternoon or early evening, sometime before sunset, as the custom was in those days, in those places uh, for this marriage uh, ceremony and this triumphant procession of the bridegroom down to claim his bride, his chosen bride. And so they gathered together, but the bridegroom was not there, and we dealt with that somewhat last week. But what happened? We found that these these virgins did not become uh, disenchanted, did not become discouraged and say, oh, well, I guess he's not coming, and so they just went off. No, they waited. They waited until the sun went down. They waited until it began to get dark. They waited, they waited until the dew of heaven began to make things wet and uncomfortable. They waited until midnight, beloved. Oh, they got weary. They fell asleep. And our Lord doesn't condemn them for falling asleep, I don't find in this passage necessarily. The flesh can take so much, you know. And some of you might be ready to go to sleep already and it's not near midnight yet and we didn't start till a quarter to eight anyway. And I realize that. The flesh can only take so much. The spirit is willing, but often the flesh is weak, isn't it? But the point, beloved friend, tonight is that these foolish virgins were going through all of the same things, the same action, doing the same things as the wise virgins, and they were waiting, they were believing in the coming of the bridegroom. And beloved, hear me, These foolish virgins were faithful to their duty, even though it meant considerable inconvenience and considerable uncomfortableness. May I say it, that I believe that these foolish virgins put many of us to shame? These foolish virgins against whom the door was shut pit put many of you and myself included to shame, beloved, when it comes to our service to Jesus Christ. Oh, how little is an excuse we can find to neglect the service of the church. Oh, how many things we can find to keep ourselves from the house of prayer on Wednesday night. How many are absent from the service tonight? who could well be here, who are not hindered by the infirmity of age or the providence of God. How many of us, beloved, are faithful in paying our tithes to the Lord? How many of us are praying without ceasing, as Paul commands us in 1 Thessalonians 5? Oh, we could go right down the list, you see. But under these difficult circumstances... These foolish virgins were faithful, just as faithful as the wise virgins. They waited, and they waited, and they waited. And we don't have any indication that they complained. And yet how we hear the people of God complain, if the minister who comes from the presence of God with a message on his heart for the Lord's people... And under commandment of Almighty God to deliver a message from the living God and not to the pleasure of men, how many times we complain, if the minister might go a little over time, so to speak. Oh, I think these foolish virgins put most of us to shame. They appeared to have all of the marks of the election of grace to be children of God. But no, they were not of God, for they had no oil in their vessels and their lamps. No grace, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. They are like the false professors described in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews. They are once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the common call of the Holy Ghost tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come and yet they were lost yet they were not saved not truly born again oh beloved these foolish virgins were so like the wise virgins they were so like the real bride of Christ that only the bridegroom himself could tell the difference until the midnight came and then of course the difference was made apparent to all by the fact that our bridegroom our heavenly bridegroom separated the two classes I would say also that some of these, that these foolish virgins <clears throat> knew something of prayer. They weren't strangers to prayer. As we read in the 11th verse, afterwards they came also, the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now, they did not, for the first time that night, I believe, pick up the, the cry, Lord, Lord. They had used undoubtedly that formula, that magic formula, as some think, It to be tonight Uh, before, no doubt, they were undoubtedly in the same class as the people that our Lord tells us about in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, in the 22nd verse, when he says that not everyone that calleth me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only they that do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out demons in thy name? And in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? And then shall I say unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I know you not. These people, no doubt, these virgins have attended the prayer meeting, which is more than many Christians tonight will do, many Bible-believing Christians tonight have no regard for the prayer meeting of the church that God has ordained. They had been where the people called Jesus Christ Lord. Yet, dear friend, will you hear it tonight? The door was shut against them. And although they were outside of the door, although they came and they found the door short shut and they knocked Lord, Lord open to us, And he said, no, the door will remain shut. They knew something of what was going on inside. They knew something of the marriage feast that was taking place. And, beloved, that simply added to their misery. That just simply intensified the the tragic condition of being shut out from that marriage. And therefore, they would all the more gnash their teeth because they could not enter. They had seen the light. But the light, their light, was going out. They carried the lamps, which gave them the right to be in the procession. They had all the externals, but they were shut out and they could not enter. Oh, listen, you who are only a professor of Jesus Christ tonight, will you shut yourselves out of the marriage feast of the Lamb? Will you shut yourself outside of the door of God's mercy? You will. If you neglect to obtain that secret store of the oil of grace which can only be supplied by the Holy Spirit of God as you come in repentance, genuine, true humbleness and repentance before God and in simple faith put your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Oh, these foolish virgins against whom the door was shut. Last Lord's Day evening, we noticed the manner of the entrance into the marriage feast of the wise. Tonight, I would like to take a few moments and notice some of the things about the exclusion of the foolish. In the first place, this exclusion was complete and total. The door was shut. It wasn't left ajar a little bit. There wasn't a crack left so that we might come in and worm our way in. The door was shut. And this reminds me of the statement found over there in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke where we have the account of the rich man who died and in hell he lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and he cried out, O Father, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in the little cold water and that he might touch my tongue for I am in torment in this place. And what did Abraham answer him? Nay, nay. But between you and us, there is a great gulf fixed. There is a great gulf fixed. To these virgins, the door was shut. It was shut tight. And they were shut out to the darkness and the darkness began to take hold upon them and fear gripped their heart as they cried out, Our lamps are gone out! Oh, how terrible are these words! They thought that they were prepared to go into the wedding feast. They thought they were prepared for the bridegroom's coming. They gloried in their lamps and they waited long for the marriage. Oh, how they denied themselves! How they went out and they waited and they waited and they waited! And they denied themselves the comfort of their own home because they were waiting for the bridegroom. They knew the joy that would be to those that went into the marriage. Dear friend tonight, those who call yourself Christian, have you ever denied yourself anything for Jesus Christ? We are living in such an affluent society. How many of you have lost a job for Jesus Christ? How many of you have refused to take a job or a promotion because it meant dishonoring Jesus Christ on the Lord's Day? How many of you have lost a friend for Jesus Christ because you have witnessed for him? How many of you have lost a night's sleep, pouring out your heart in prayer and intercession? How many of you have lost a meal? How many of you have taken upon yourself to fast as Jesus Christ commanded us and pray, for this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting, as Dr. Richter pointed out last Wednesday night? Oh, have you denied yourself? You young people for the cause of Christ, have you denied yourself anything? Are you out there in the world? Are you drinking at the slot pits of the swine tonight? Or have you denied yourself for Jesus Christ? These foolish virgins denied themselves. These foolish sure virgins were out there and they denied themselves some comfort and some pleasure because they believed the bridegroom was coming. But at last they were shut out. And this exclusion, beloved, was total and complete. Our outward profession is not good enough, beloved. I would say to you tonight, in my opinion, it's worse, oh, it's far worse to have a lamp that has gone out than never to have had a lamp at all. Jesus said, if the light that be in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Well, this exclusion in the second place was perfectly just. It was righteous, beloved. Don't think that God, don't think that the bridegroom was unrighteous and unjust in making this decision and this exclusion. These foolish virgins, beloved, ought to have been ready. They had every opportunity to be ready. They had just the same opportunity that the wise virgins had had. The bridegroom certainly had not come too early, had he? No, the bridegroom was late in coming. They had all night to get ready for the coming of the bridegroom. And yet they were not ready. Oh, dear friend, if you're without Christ tonight, perhaps you're a member of the church, but you've had 30 years to get ready. Some of you have had 40 or 50 years. Some of you have had 80 years to get ready. And yet in your heart of hearts tonight, you know that you're not ready. In your heart of hearts tonight, you know that Jesus Christ is going to close the door to you. Even you youngsters, perhaps you've only had five or ten years, you teenagers, you youngsters. You've had plenty of time, young people. You've had five years when five minutes is sufficient time. And yet you've not closed in and embraced Jesus Christ and forsaken self. And so this exclusion, when it comes, if it comes to you, will be just and righteous You've had all the years of the Lord's long-suffering and patient entreaty as the gospel has gone forth from this pulpit for how many years has it been now? Thirty years of Dr. McIntyre's ministry. How many years prior to that? Oh, you've had the years, beloved. And the door will be shut against you at last, and that will be just and righteous of God. Oh, be wise, you foolish virgins, tonight before it's too late. Why will you perish? Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Their exclusion was not only complete and total and just, but their exclusion, dear friend, and perhaps this is the most frightful of it all, their exclusion was personal. It was the sentence of the divine Lord himself, the bridegroom, It was from the words of the Lord Jesus himself that the exclusion came. Would you turn for just a moment to the twelfth chapter of the Gospel of John and hear these words, these fearful words of our Lord Jesus? And I am come in verse 46. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Yes, this exclusion, beloved, is personal. It's from the Lord, glory himself. Jesus doesn't send Peter or someone else, as the popular opinion is. Peter keeping the pearly gate, you know, and opening it or closing it, as the case may be. No, beloved, Jesus Christ acts in this place himself, personally. And so it's Jesus Christ himself who shuts the door with these tragic, these terrible these frightful, awful words. Hear it, beloved. Hear it, you foolish virgins. The door is shut and Jesus Christ says, I know you not. Lord, Lord, have we not done many miracles, mighty works in thy name? I know you not. Can your ears bear to hear these words, beloved? Hear them, O heavens. Hear them, O angels. Hear them, O oh foolish virgins. Hear them, O oh hypocrites. Hear them, O oh false professors. I know you not. That's not my word. I can't stand in the place of judgment over you, beloved, nor can you me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ to these foolish virgins. And if you notice the emphasis there, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Oh. These virgins had supposed themselves to be friends of the bridegroom, yet they were proven in the final analysis not even to be acquaintances. They were gatecrashers at the party. And that's one reason why we know that these foolish virgins could never be denoted as those that had been once saved and filled with the Holy Spirit but now lost as we mentioned the false teaching given on this parable last Lord's Day. No, beloved, Jesus Christ could never say these words to one who had truly been his child. Jesus Christ could never say these words to one who had been born into the family of God by the Spirit of grace. Jesus Christ can only say these words to those who are outside of the family of God, even though they may be inside of the professing church during this age. Oh, dear friend, hear it tonight. The last words you shall hear from the lips of our gracious Lord Jesus. He who had beckoned to you, he who had called to you, come unto me. All ye labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He who continually came to your heart and beckoned to your heart's door, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Oh, the gracious invitations that Jesus has given you, beloved, you shall hear no more on this day but from those very same lips will come these frightful words, I know you not. And this exclusion, beloved, is final. There's no second chance anywhere in the Bible. There's no universal salvation anywhere in the Bible. Once that door is shut, you're shut out forever. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. But even if there were a second chance, What better hope do you want than that which the gospel affords now, presently? Why not get ready to enter the marriage feast right now? Why not prepare yourself and be prepared of the Spirit of God to come now? Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day, beloved. And Jesus Christ calls to you, repent of your sin, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. But repent of your sin and come, whosoever believeth on the Son of God hath everlasting life. Oh, why throw away a present salvation under the false dream and delusion that perhaps the door of mercy might be opened again to you sometime in the future? After ages of weeping or fires of purgatory perhaps whatever the case may be take God's present salvation as he offers it today Jesus Christ said verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life you have it right now Jesus Christ is offering it to you right now beloved and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life and if the spirit of God is ministering to your heart the spirit of God is speaking his word to your heart tonight dear friend don't resist that spirit of grace submit yourselves to the lordship of Christ and trust in his saving blood tonight because this exclusion is final as Dr. Spurgeon has said where death meets you judgment finds you and there you will remain to all eternity some are foolish enough to put off their repentance and this is also oh, prevalent among young people I know to put off their repentance until their deathbed. Oh, I want to have a good time. I've got plenty of time to get right with the Lord, you know. But I want to tell you, dear friend, dear young person, that's the delusion of the devil, because you might not have another hour. And I do not say this to frighten you. I say it in all sincerity and all earnestness of heart. That you be done with your foolishness. That you stop playing the part of the moron and the outward hypocrite and you come to Jesus Christ in real repentance and brokenness for your sin and put your faith in the Son of God. Oh, as the choir sang so beautifully tonight, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord for he will have mercy. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. How many are there here tonight? Listening on the radio, perhaps. You have a name to live and you're dead. You're a foolish virgin and one day you'll hear the words of Jesus Christ. I know you not. Oh, beloved, flee from the wrath to come. Flee from yourself. Flee from your sins. Escape to the remedy that God has provided. Flee to Jesus tonight. Lift up your eyes to that cross and put your trust in those bleeding wounds. There's life for a look at the crucified one. May the Spirit of God speak to you tonight, dear friend. And may you put your faith in the Son of God. And may you be one who is prepared and ready to enter into the marriage feast. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. It's growing late. Go ye out to meet him. Are you ready tonight? Our Father in heaven, forgive our stumbling, bumbling presentation of thy word tonight, O God. But may the minister be hidden behind the cross of Jesus Christ. And may we see no man save Jesus only. And we pray, O gracious Father, that thy divine spirit will speak to hearts and bring and work faith in those hearts tonight, O God. Humble them and break them. And then, our Father, for those of us who have named thy name and we have been so disgraced by these wise virgins in our devotion to Jesus Christ, O Father, wilt thou convict our hearts of sin? Wilt thou stir us up? Wilt thou wake us up? O God, we are living in the last days. The night cometh when no man can work. O Father, help us by thy grace to be instruments in thine hands, to win many lost to Christ, to call the people of God out of the apostasy and to stand against all the forces of iniquity that are abounding today. For we do ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.